0: Hello and welcome to the Cobra Kai podcast. My name is Mickey Yamashita. I play Ren, the tour guide, in season three of Cobra Kai. Welcome to Tommy Village Green, Yokoso.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion. And I am Peter uh, at the top of the show. You probably heard the intro uh, joining me today. My guest, uh, this is the conclusion of the Asian-American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So uh, welcome, Mickey Yamashita.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to you, obviously. Um, you know, you're in one of one of my favorite episodes, obviously, because I love the Credit Gate Part Two. Um, so we will definitely get into all of that. But I definitely want to learn about you and uh, and your culture. So um, I don't know. Are you like a Japanese-American or were, yes. were you? So
0: okay. I'm a hundred percent Japanese. So both okay. my parents are from Japan. And so in, in Japanese-American culture, we would call that Nisei. I would be considered second generation. So uh, in Japanese culture, we consider Issei, to be, to be the first generation that came from Japan to America, and so I would be considered Nisei, uh, second generation. So that's, uh, so that's what I am, second generation Japanese American. And but um, because both my parents are from Japan, I'm genetically hundred percent Japanese.
1: Yeah, I um, Nisei. I learned that term from watching uh, videos of the four hundred forty second. Yes
0: um, yes exactly and the most decorated uh World War II um uh regiment and uh and it's 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 heartbreaking to know that they were um, overseas fighting for the United States, and many of their family members were interned mm-hmm. here in the United States. So, um, and and although that's not part of my personal history, uh, you know, as a Japanese American, of course, it's, it 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 uh, is something uh, of huge importance to me. And, um, and but but because my parents came to the United States uh, after far, far after World War II. So uh, that was not a part of my, pers- my family's personal history, but, but, uh, but yes, um, that's, that's pretty much how we, uh, we identify ourselves. There are a lot of uh, third and fourth generation Japanese Americans, uh, sansei, yonsei that I know. And uh, it's been great to be uh, an actor in Los Angeles and, and uh, be a part of that community.
1: Now, were you? Um, you're originally a Massachusetts native. Correct?
0: That's right. That's right. So I was born in Western Massachusetts uh, in a city called Springfield, and I grew up prim- primarily in uh, South Hadley, Massachusetts, which is a, t- a few, a smaller town, uh, a few towns over from Springfield. And I spent most of my childhood there. Although my father uh, was a theology professor, and and he um, he. Would uh, he would be able to spend his sabbatical, what they call a sabbatical year, where you have a year to um, continue uh, your your studies and teaching abroad? When he would have those years, he would take the whole family to Japan. So I do have some experience, some childhood memories of um, being in Japan and going to school in Japan. Um, But uh, primarily, I was raised in Western Massachusetts.
1: So um growing up when did you you do you're you're very first of all very talented and uh you have Thank very you. many skills um I know that uh you do ballet and you're um uh uh trained soprano and all this when did you decide to get into these arts
0: So when I was a very small child my parents uh, Just saw me, saw me starting to want to sing and dance and I would sing around the house so much and, and they realized very early on that I had a very sincere uh, and intense interest in the performing arts and so, very early on, my parents put me in dance classes and uh, put, uh, gave me piano lessons and um, and then I started singing in the church. The, my church happened to have, uh, because my father's a theology professor, he's also an ordained minister and we were very active in our local church and our local church happened to have a, a children's choir. So I was able to start singing um, in in school and also in church and my interest in performing um in the arts just kept growing from there so i've been uh doing this since i was a little kid
1: yeah yeah absolutely now um the the, the acting part was that because you were already singing you know at church and things like that or was there um like so a, a yeah
0: i started getting involved in um in Drama club at school, and we were putting on plays, and we were. Um, some of them were musicals, and so that was great because that enabled me to sing and dance and act on stage all at the same time. And uh, musical theater, of course, became a, a core part of my experience as a professional. Um, and so, so that was that was sort of the beginning when I was a kid of, you know, putting on shows and figuring out, you know, uh, the, all, kind of performing all those disciplines at once and the, all those challenges. Um, I started uh, taking him on early on. So um, so it was, it was a great, I, I was a part of the a children's choir. I was part of at, at church, but also at like, there were a lot of choirs, um, show choirs and like, and uh, concert choirs and stuff at school. So I, I was just involved in anything that was musical or theater related.
1: So how does one go from, you know, singing in choirs and plays to singing opera?
0: Right. So when I when i was graduating from high school there was some questions about well what do you, what do we want to what do we want to focus on here you know um there's so i had so many varying interests and i was pretty good academically as well so the question was what what, what do i want to do after high school and uh, i was accepted at new england conservatory of music and i was very very focused at the time, at, at the time I really wanted to uh, really pursue singing. Um, I felt that that was what I was strongest at at the time and so when I was accepted at New England Conservatory, in, and that is a music conservatory in Boston, um, my parents wanted to encourage me to formally uh, in a college setting uh, study singing, so they encouraged me to do that, and so uh, the I I studied almost exclusively classical singing for um, the two years I was at the conservatory. So I, it was it, it it seems unrelated, but it's actually <laughs> classical training is as a dancer and as a singer and as an actor uh, with Shakespeare and everything. That's the basis of uh, what all you know, theater is based on, you know, so the classical arts is where it all began. So uh, it wasn't too far of a leap for me. And I did learn a lot of incredibly important um, vocal technique that still helps me today.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a couple um, titles that really stick out in, in your resume, West Side Story, The King and I, uh, yes. what were some of your uh, favorite um uh, I, I guess performances uh, that that you were a part of.
0: I I loved playing Maria in West Side Story because it's such an iconic role and the music is known to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So to be able to sing that music and play that role, it uh, uh, is it is just that was a huge breakthrough for me because I remember I was I was at that theater. For the whole summer doing various other shows and uh, I I did there I wasn't expected to I, I was supposed to just be in the chorus and then something happened where they lost the person that was going to play Maria oh and gosh. I and th- they said you're doing it and I said, oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> so i re- I remember even then thinking, wow, this is a Uh, a business that is about just as much about chance as it is about skill you know? Yeah. So, uh, so that, that was an important role. And, and I've done many, many productions of the King and I, which is another iconic show. And, uh, I, that requires a lot of classical vocal techniques. So that was a, a great fit for me too. And I've also done multiple productions of a chorus line, uh, which also has a role in there that is a perfect fit for me. And a chorus line is actually about, um, performing artists. So, uh, so there were a lot of, wonderful, you know, purely lightning bolt moments in my career where I was exactly right for something and I had the skill to be able to execute it and I was in the right place at the right time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it was all chance. Now, is there like a a production that you just, uh, that's on your bucket list that you really would like to be a part of someday?
0: Wow. I. You know, I would love to do a show like *Wicked*.
1: Okay, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, who does or, it?
0: <laughs> yeah, so so I would I would love to be in a show that that um that is uh, that would be a challenge for me as a classically trained singer to kind of um, branch out a little bit. Um, uh, of course, you know, I, because I had studied classically, when I started doing a lot of musical theater, I had to kind of. I had to finesse uh, the vocal technique so that it aesthetically fit more the musical theater um, genre. And then what's funny is that when I moved to LA and started uh, singing with Los Angeles opera, I had to kind of go back again and kind of reform uh, technique-wise a lot of the habits of musical theater. I had to kind of bring them back around because now I'm... Singing more classical music again, so it's been a total journey. But I guess I would say, for for as far as uh, a bucket list m- musical, I would love to. I would love to do Wicked. I would love to do. Um, oh man, I mean, <laughs> I, there's so many great shows, and I, I. But that's the one that I. I mean like even something out of the box for me, like Hamilton or something. I mean, I I would love, I I would love to start auditioning again for musical theater just to see what roles would fit me now in that arena.
1: Right. And as of right now, there's not a lot of productions going on, right? With the...
0: Right. So yeah. um, the pandemic really uh, just made a, devastating impact on the on live theater of course and um so i think that i'm really hopeful that we're c- now coming to the end of this uh this whole <laughs> this whole year and a half of just absolutely no live shows it was just terrible but um i think theater's going to come back and i think it's going to be the last to come back there's Production of all kinds already going on now, um, you know, in terms of film and television. But I think because theater involves a live audience sitting very close together, I think it's going to be a journey. It's going to yeah. be a journey back, and I think we're gonna we're gonna figure it out as we go along. What this new uh, what live theater is going to look like moving forward, you right. know. Um, I, I have a dear friend of mine, TJ D'Angelo. He and I worked in the theme parks together. That's another whole area. Yeah. Um, but he is—he's—he's he's a good friend of mine, and he is a—he was—he's an usher. So that's well—that's uh, kind of one of the uh, side hustles he does. And he says he said that um, he says that uh, people are people who come to the theater like they'll they'll put the ticket in their mouth and then put take their gloves off and then like hand you the uh, ticket. And there's all yeah. kinds of, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, weird things going on that were unsanitary in the theater by audience, let alone the production, you know? So he's he's sort of, he's anxious to get back to it, but I think there will be more protocol and a little bit more formal procedure of like, you know, cleanliness and all that. But I'm hopeful. I really think theater has to come back. It has to. And I I, I look forward to figuring out what that's going to mean for the rank and file performer like me. I do know that Broadway shows will come back, opera will come back for you know the 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 tippy top, the the big stars. Of course, there's always going to be demand for that. But I I do really hope that the 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 rank and file actors that work on Broadway and that work in in live theater and and also in film and television will be able to get a footing, you know, after this this whole ter- terrible era is over, right. you
1: know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because um, there's, there's another production um, going on, the Credit the Kid musical. And... Um,
0: I don't know anything about that. <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing about that.
1: Oh, no kidding. Yeah, uh, Drew Gasparini, I've interviewed him as well. He is the uh, composer and lyricist. And uh, it's it's been in the works. And um, I spoke with uh, Robert Mark Kamen, who wrote the Credit Kid movies. And uh, he is involved in it as well um i, I don't know uh, like the capacity of it but i know he's at least like some sort of consultant with you know looking over this uh, the, the, the lyrics and probably the, the script for for the show but um we, we know very little of it and that's kind of what we're waiting for is the lights to go back on and and hopefully some more news comes out of it but uh i,
0: I- I can't wait. That sounds awesome.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, it does. It really does. Um so yeah, let's talk about some of the the other things you have did uh have done. You uh were also um on uh, Law and Order.
0: Yeah, so when I was uh, so I because I'm from Massachusetts, I, when I first started pursuing acting professionally, the natural move was for me to go to New York, right? And so, so I could still be relatively close to my family in Massachusetts, but still be in a big acting market, right? So, um, the everybody's goal in New York as an actor is to get on law and order. <laughs> like it is the total brass ring. Okay. It's it's just the thing you want on your resume so badly. So uh, at at the time that I, you know, by the time I got to Law & Order, I had like, I had done every, I had done all this regional theater. I had done, you know, national tour. I, I was on the national tour of A Chorus Line. I had done many, many other shows, but I, this, I made a conscious decision at one point, because I could have gone on and continued doing different productions of The King and I and A Chorus Line for the rest of for the rest of eternity, basically, you know? Um, but I made a conscious decision at one point. Listen, I'm not going to go out of town to do regional theater. I'm not going I'm gonna stay in New York and I'm gonna work this I'm gonna work this day job and I'm going to try and use my theater experience and uh, credits to break into television acting here in New York. And at the time, there was some, some decent stuff going on. There were soap operas there. There was there, not just Law and Order, but uh, other shows were there, right? So I just started, um, I just I just doggedly pursued it, man. And I just, um, <laughs> hmm. I would, I would. I would send letters and stuff and to casting directors of these shows. And at the time there was only there was only a limited number of casting people that were involved in television in New York. So I would just always just let them know what I was up to if I ever if I got a commercial or I got something else or I did another show, I would always send them a postcard and let them know. And eventually, I just broke them down and I, and they kind of knew who I was um, because of all of the communication that I've been sending them about my career progress. And finally, I got an audition for Law & Order and I got on the show. And it was just my first real speaking role on television and that was when i had a i officially was able to say hey i i'm on tv yeah. and so um, <laughs> that was the beginning of me uh, being uh, establishing sort of a foothold in film and TV and then things started rolling from there i got I got, was able to get on all the soap operas there and I was able to get on uh i I did a pilot for the oxygen channel which at the time had just rebranded itself um, and was uh, was pushing more content with um, with uh, with women of color and so things happened uh, you know I, I I wish I could say it all snowballed but it kind of happened you know at a slow but steady pace and I was once I was able to come to Los Angeles I already had um, credits on network uh, network shows and that that was important for me so um, so I was able to come to Los Angeles which is the biggest possible market for actors uh with with some stuff on my resume
1: yeah and how how does one get on like uh jimmy kimmel and the tonight show with jay leno um
0: so they have uh in-house casting directors as well and so when they're doing a certain a certain type of sketch or they need like a lot of times with the late night comedy shows they'll be um there'll be they they need people who are celebrity impressionists or they you know they need people for sketches all the time, so so right. they have a casting director. And so if you're interested in pursuing uh, sketch comedy at, or, and you're doing that stuff on stage here in LA, um, those are the casting directors that you would target. And I used to, when when I came to LA, I started doing the same thing that I was doing in New York where I would just reach out to casting directors um, and just start sending them things so that they would know who I was. Um, and and of course, you pursue uh, you pursue representation that can officially kind of uh, submit you to casting on your behalf when there's a role that is right for you. So mm. you have to kind of go at it through different. The, in pursuing acting in Los Angeles is a little different, where where you do kind of have to have representation um, and. And I believe it's probably that way now in New York. And I haven't pursued acting in New York in quite a while now, so I can't. Uh, I don't know what the environment is like there now. But when I first started in New York, there was more of. Uh, there was more. Uh, New York kind of respects people who are, who are, uh, self starters, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they will totally they will totally accept communication directly from actors. And I think I think in L.A. they do too, but it's. Um, there's just so many of us that you kind of do have to have official representation an agent to represent you to casting.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: So, so I went through all those, you know, <laughs> I went through all that, that myriad of, you know, jumped through all those hoops and all that. And um, by the time Cobra Kai came along, I, I had an agent that submitted me, but, but that was uh... one of, you know, the Cobra Kai thing. That was one of, I mean, I would say, I fifty to one hundred auditions I went on that year. Oh, wow! Wow! <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 a it's you you would be surprised to know how many uh, jobs you don't get in show business because yeah. <laughs> you know mostly only the people in the general public only see the person that got the job right and so they don't realize how much effort and time and labor goes into just uh getting into the room to audition and that's uh, a lot of times the that's the win you know Mm -hmm. uh so to get the job is just like a miracle it's like winning winning mega millions
1: yeah that's the lottery absolutely Some of our younger audiences uh, maybe um, uh, maybe familiar with uh, iCarly. Uh, That's a show that uh, my kids watched. Um, I watched a little bit of it.
0: I heard there's going to be a uh, like a reboot.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah,
0: but I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if if that's true or not. But I heard kind of some rumors about a reboot. But yeah. So so one of the uh, one so when I first moved to LA, that was I think that was the first credit. That was the first credit I got in in LA. Oh maybe wow. for, for TV, yeah, maybe maybe Jimmy Kimmel was around there too, but um, but yeah, I mean, I s- slowly you gotta you gotta you know it's when you look at someone's IMDb, it's like oh wow, look at all these jobs they got, yeah. but um, there's a lot of struggle in between. <laughs> sure you know so uh so yeah it's 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 a total miracle when you get something like i that a lot of kids like millions of kids watch um and you know i uh i recurred on a series called the lion guard and that was an animated series so i was only my it was only my voice that was heard um but uh but the lion guard is which is a lion king spin-off show that was on the disney channel that has So many legions of fans, too, and it's now it's now playing on it's now on Disney Plus, but it was originally on the Disney Channel and I would get you know, there were friends of mine who had kids who were very young. They They would say my my kids are obsessed with the Lion Guard and they would be so excited to see uh, to that they knew someone who voiced a role, uh, voiced a lion, you know,
1: yeah, Uh, yeah. a Lion
0: King lion. So, uh, so yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot that of really hard work uh, that you don't see actors doing that no one sees, you know, there's a lot of training and a lot of auditions. And like, so when you see people uh, who have uh, a really significant career. It really, it speaks a lot to their tenacity and it speaks a lot to the, um, the perseverance.
1: Yeah, no, uh, the line Guard was absolutely one, um, one of the other things that I was going to bring up. Uh, you voiced the character of uh, Nirmala, and, um, you know, I watched a couple of uh, uh, episodes of it and uh, she reminds me of, you um, kind of a Miyagi type character, you know? Yeah,
0: very, very yeah, wise totally. Wise and
1: healing, yeah, yeah. So um, can you talk about like how you uh, were able to kind of uh, land that role in just your experience from filming or um yeah yeah
0: so i had a commercial agent they were representing me for on-camera commercials and they had a strong voiceover department and they said listen we would like to start submitting you for voiceover. is that something you'd be interested in and i said sure i'd be interested in it but i have very little experience so um just so that you know that. And at the time, voiceover was kind of moving in a new direction, especially with animation, right? Where um, in the past, you would be able to, people would be able to cast, you know, um, white actors in roles that were, uh, depicted as people of color Mm -hmm. and they were really wanted to move away from that and get a little more authentic and specific with their casting, which I applaud, you know, Mm -hmm. um, to give more, um, especially Asian American actors voiceover is such a closed tight, tight knit community that it is very difficult to, to break in as a new person. And so, and, and a lot of that closed, you know, tight knit community is, um, is not as inclusive like as it could be. And so I think that voiceover casting was moving in the direction of being more diverse and being more inclusive and giving newer people a chance. And so that the landscape of voiceover acting could look a little bit more like the way America looks. And so when, so, so I, Got some opportunities early on to audition for things that, whereas normally they would just cast someone they already knew. Um, so I was lucky to be able to get as many auditions to get this my skill level in VO uh, up to the level where I could be considered for major recurring roles on um, on animated series. Um, so, so and and there are a lot of regular acting skills that translate to vo but uh, what's wonderful about vo is that it there are a lot of skills from opera that translates to vo right mm, where mm-hmm. you have to have such specific detail-oriented control of your voice and that's all that's all opera is <laughs> you know yeah. so I a lot of the skills I learned uh, listening to myself and critiquing myself, as a singer, in such a in such an intense way, allowed me to uh, be able to be able to do that to my speaking voice and get that to express exactly what whatever the script is, you know, what what the character is, and so um, so I was able to get on uh, get the role on Lion Guard, and that was uh such a surprise because I thought, wow, VO is just such a it's it's a whole quagmire in itself and I'm amazed that I was chosen for that role because it was a pretty significant arc through season three. Yeah. And um it's unfortunate that they did not do a fourth season of Lion Guard because I think my character would have been <laughs> would I think have so. been a part of it somehow. <laughs> but uh but yeah I'm thrilled that it's on um that it's on Disney Plus and available for kids to watch now, and um, I, I it was so surreal just to be able to see my voice coming out of a a Lion King lion, you know, which yeah. who is just so we're so used to seeing seeing the uh, the the renderings of Lion King. Lions, they're so iconic, in the Disney Lion King line, you know, and and the the Lion Guard is basically follows the story of Kion, um, who is the son of Simba, and so the story continued, and to you know for me to be able to be a part of it at the time that we finished recording season three. Um, of Lion Guard, the live action Lion Guard was coming out with Beyonce. And so there was a lot of excitement, you know, regenerating for Lion King at the time. So it was just an exciting time to be a part of that. And so, so i was so lucky that that all happened before the pandemic. Right. So I, at that point, I was uh, really getting, you know, leaps and bounds of progress, um, just Figuring out who I am as a VO actor, setting up the just the technical aspects of um, of my my makeshift home studio, which uh-huh. is still <laughs> you know it's always a work in progress because uh, for for me as a performer to have to deal with all the technical aspects of of crafting auditions and recording a good sound um, and to be able to generate. Auditions with the frequency that I do, um, I was I was continually being able to just sort of set up what what my VO home studio was going to look like. And then what was great was that was finally set up when the pandemic came, and so I was I kind of had a head start. I was a few steps ahead of other actors who had never done VO before. And then when all of television production shut down, the only thing that continued was voiceover. Mm-hmm. So I was really lucky that I kind of had that experience and and enough uh, enough know how to um, to have a home st- like a, a somewhat of an acceptable home studio
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, to be able to continue voiceover uh, during the pandemic when uh, there was nothing else going on at all. Um, so, so I was very, very fortunate that I was able to continue that, um, throughout, uh, this last year and a half.
1: Yeah, that, that, that is amazing that, um, and, you know, and, and it's nice because you don't necessarily have to go to a studio, right? And you could just do yeah, it Yeah, I
0: recorded jobs. I mean, okay. it was nerve wracking, but I was <laughs> able to record professional animation jobs from my home, which that I mean, ne- that never would have been right. something we would have considered, you know, pre pandemic. I would have gone to a studio where everything was set up exactly the way they wanted, uh-huh. and then I would just come in and do the performance. And then, but, um, but yeah, I, I was able to record jobs from home, um, yeah. and and so that's what is, uh, that's what. There are a lot of growing pains associated, you know, with with the pandemic and dealing with it. But but I am I am so proud that I was able to make that work, you know. Yeah. Um. And I was able to also give a lot of solid advice to actors who uh, decided when the pandemic happened. Well, I want to continue acting, and I might as well just start figuring out. Uh, figuring out if I can pursue voiceover, so I was able to give a lot of advice to actors who were new to that space. Mm-hmm. Which is great.
1: Um, do you have a preference? Like, because you've done so much, um, you've been talking about VO. There's the you know the performing arts, and uh, you've been in front of the camera. W- which which of those do you or do you feel more passionate about one over the other? Or
0: I'm really excited about the prospect of going back to pursuing um, on-camera acting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that just like like theater, it's gonna take a while to figure out what the new established normal is gonna look like. We're doing a lot of uh, actors are doing a lot of what we call Mm self-taping and so we're doing a lot of auditions that would have normally pre-pandemic been an audition you would physically go to, a lot of those are now auditions that I have to tape myself at home, at, on camera. And, and, and For me to produce a VO audition is pretty easy. It's a pretty simple process. But for me to produce an on-camera uh, audition from home is a little bit more involved. And so I'm experimenting just like I did with my voiceover studio at home. I, I'm experimenting with different lighting and different audio and like ways to make myself look more professional. And every actor's going through this right now. But I am excited about, I think what I'm most excited about is going back to pursuing uh, on-camera episodic television and film acting. So I, that's, that's what I'm hoping uh, will resume uh, for me, very soon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, fingers crossed for sure. Um, yes. Yeah. As as productions are sort of starting to kind of um, get back up. Um, so you're so so you're based out of LA. Yes. Right? Okay. Correct. So Cobra Kai films in Atlanta. I think most of our listeners know that. Uh, how you you mentioned um, you you're you have representation now that was able to get you there. But uh, is that something? That-
0: I think that they tried. I think that – so what um, Hayden and um, Josh and um, John. John Hurwitz yeah. told me at – on set was that they – I think they tried to cast my role locally in Atlanta mm-hmm. at first. And then, um, and then they decided to also – and then they – I think at some point they decided to also see actors – from Los Angeles, and that's when I came into the mix. Uh, so I, that was an in-person audition, and uh, that was an in-person audition, of course, because it was actually before the pandemic. Right, right. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So once they started, I think I think they did try to cast it locally, but and, but decided to see actors from Los Angeles. So so I was able to go to Atlanta to to shoot, and then. Um, and I when I think back at it now it was the fall of 2019 right Mm -hmm. that's when I shot and then they were telling me on set it was going to be uh, (laughs) um it was going to be uh, on at the time the show was on youtube you know what I mean Uh, so right correct uh, so it was a youtube red or youtube premium show and so they said it's probably going to be dropping next summer. So June of 2020. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a long time, but okay. And I was super I was just so thrilled to be on, on the show. I yeah. was I was just so excited. I was like whenever, you know, yeah. whenever you'd put it on, <laughs> I would be there with bells on so excited, you know. Um, so 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 I just thought, okay, great. And then of course at at, at the time it was I was you know all those things we took for granted. Oh, I'm just flying to Atlanta to shoot this thing, and then coming back, and then you know, no masks, no nothing. I just like you just travel around freely. Everything, everything's you know, at fine. And that was the last time. I think that was the last time I traveled before the pandemic happened. Oh wow! But then the pandemic happens, and then um, the and then YouTube it, it's announced. I see a deadline that um. YouTube's not going to move forward with Cobra Kai. And I'm like, wait, but does that mean no one's going to see what I did? (laughs) Like, I was kind of confused at the time because I I thought, wow, this is, that would be so sad if we didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And eventually I found out that they were basically going to move the show somewhere else. And so I, I, that process took many months. I guess, I guess while the pandemic was going on, and I of course have no control over that, so I just had my fingers crossed that I, I just was I, I just was hoping it would turn up somewhere. And then of course it went to Netflix, and I was just thrilled because Eesh. that I thought, well, this is just such a a fantastic development because I didn't do anything, and now. Even more people are going to be able to see Cobra Kai starting with the season. I'm in, yeah. So yeah. it all worked out fantastically, and I, I would say that I, I, I just, I, I just have, I, just the whole, my whole involvement with the show. It's, I have to say that there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of unexpected twists and turns in what was happening, and but, but, I, I'm just so amazed and thrilled that I got to be a part of something so, um, ingrained in people's, people have such fond, fond feelings for the original Karate Kid movie. I remember when I was a little kid and like uh, the movie comes out and all of a sudden everybody gets that Japanese stuff is cool. And like, I, I just, I just was so thrilled by that. And, and just to see, um, to see Japanese culture and Japanese tradition celebrated was just so, uh, so thrilling for me as as a person of Japanese descent and then, um, and then to have that be a part of my, uh, you know, consciousness growing up and then to like, then I get on, I become an actor and then I get to be actually a part of something related to this and then, and then I'm, I'm, acting with Ralph Macchio. It's just like the whole the whole trajectory of Karate Kid being a part of my consciousness as a kid and then eventually me becoming a professional performer and being a part of it and acting with Ralph Macchio. I mean all of that is just a miracle to me and I'm just so thrilled that so many people love these characters so much. It, yeah. It, I I'm just I'm just amazed at the amount of love that, that, that came out, you know, came out to really celebrate this story and this, these characters. And, and when the show debuted, it was just, people were, went crazy. I mean, in the beginning of this year, when we were still in lockdown, you know, Mm -hmm. um, when the show came out and people just, I mean, everybody's i'd never been in something that like that many people were excited
1: about <laughs> honestly.
0: so so it is just with with the pandemic happening with all the really difficult um struggles that that we faced you know in this country as as you know, as that was unfolding to just have something joyful like Cobra Kai come out while we were in the deepest part of the lockdown it was just, it was just great. I mean, the whole, my whole, um, just my whole being able to be involved in this show and in with these characters and, and, and to see Ralph Macchio in person and then act with him. It was just, it was a
1: total miracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I living vicariously through you uh, for sure. Um the the credit part 2 was that one that you watched uh, growing up at all or you mentioned the first one?
0: Yeah, and I I mean I I I didn't even tell you when I was when I was in Atlanta on set, I got to meet Tamlyn Tomita. Now, she mm-hmm. and I were not in a scene together. Right. They were shooting her uh, her, her role, um, at at the same, at this, on the same day. And so I got to actually meet her. And so to have seen Karate Kid part two, you know, years, years earlier, and then to see her and to have her actually, I was very, to her, to me, she's a huge star, right? Yeah. Joy, Joy Luck Club. I mean, Mm -hmm. like that, that movie was such a huge moment for Asian American women. So to me, she's a huge huge star and so I was very careful. I was like, uh, you know, like with like with Ralph Macchio. Sure, Ralph sure. Macchio came and introduced himself to me. I was I'm always of the air on the side of like don't speak unless spoken to type of thing like with um, more established actors when you're on set. So I I I was kind of quiet and like I was just kind of like very very Uh, admiringly kind of looking at her and she came over and introduced herself to me and she was so supportive and encouraging and she's she's just such a great champion for Japanese American actors and so I even though I wasn't acting with her it so it was a total surprise that I was able to actually meet her and talk to her and and um, we actually we actually had dinner um, after that day of shooting so I got to get to know her a little bit. And that was, that was, uh, just, just f- fantastic. So sure. yeah, that's so, amazing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think of her as someone who, you know, has really the, with the amount of experience that she has had in the industry, um, as an, as a Japanese American woman, I feel so, um, I, I feel kind of kinship with her. And, um, I was, just enthralled that she took an interest in me and that she, you know, was, she, she's, she's just been such a supporter, um, whenever she sees other Asian American actors. So, um, that was a, just such a delightful surprise that I got to, you know, really spend some time with her. So it was awesome. Yeah.
1: Um, So your character of Ren is the one who, you know, greets Daniel, tells him kind of the what's happened after the events of the Karate Kid part two. Um, Was your dialogue pretty much what was on paper? Was there any, um, you know, alternate lines or takes, anything like that?
0: There, there were, so the script that I auditioned with was different than the script that was given to me when I got the job. Mm, the, the story was the same, but that the, there were a couple of lines that were different, right? So then, on then, when I got to the set, there were a couple of ch- lines changed again. So there was a, a Jersey Mike's was, I think, the line that I ended up t- saying, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was a there was something else. There was something. I was. <laughs> I, I there was some other the two the two restaurants I mentioned. Are like we're we're different, mm, see. and they changed it to Jersey Mics on the set as we were as we were shooting. So like so I can't remember exactly what the previous what the previous um, mentions were, but um, yeah we 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 tweaked it. They tweaked it a little bit as we were rolling.
1: So that, that's interesting because um, honestly I, I'm not even sure how big Jersey Mike's is um, we have one location actually right near where I live. So if it wasn't for that one, that reference would have gone over my head. Like I would have been like Jersey Mike's. Okay. So that's, that's a restaurant, you know, like, but um, I do know it's a chain, obviously, but uh, that was just kind of interesting that, that that was the the change in the, in the, dialogue. yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, the whole scene is so funny because, <laughs> seeing his it's like he just doesn't want you know everyone thinks of japan as having these like very you know uh, of these old structures and these beautiful temples and like okinawa has these beautiful traditions you know and and so to see his his him be so disappointed that Everything's been modernized and stuff. Right. It's just a funny, funny scene, and um, I just loved it. I loved. I love Cobra Kai because it really shows you that there's there there can truly be dramedy. You know what I mean? Like oh, there can be hilarious moments, but also, um, but also, uh, also it can be so touching. And you know when he goes to Mr. Miyagi's grave, at, like I totally cried (laughs) i'm not even kidding you know (laughs) it's so heart-wrenching and so touching you know so um so yeah i mean i just love being part of i i just love being part of a show that gets comedy and also gets drama and also gets action yeah it's the best of everything
1: yeah it, it really is it has um something for everyone you have the legacy characters as they're called the ones that we grew up with and then you have like this new generation of kids that the kids of today can relate to
0: yeah yeah i love that there's a lot of young, young very young teenage actors on the show they're doing incredible i mean i i really i really admire them because those action sequences are re- really involved you know mm-hmm. um and they carry a lot of weight acting-wise on the show, too. So um, so I, I'm so glad that because of them, a new generation of people can, you know, have their interest peaked in these characters. And then hopefully they'll go back and see the original movies,
1: too. Oh, absolutely. It, it is kind of funny because, like, when we did um, interview some some of the, the younger cast, like, uh, earlier on, they had mentioned yeah n- never saw the karate kid and well got got the role and maybe now's a good time to watch the movie right, uh, right. so yeah c- kind of interesting how, how how that happened
0: i'm so glad that they were able to they were able to flash back to the actual scenes in the original films i mean that's right. just that's just amazing to be able to get uh to be able to work that out you know from a legal perspective let, let alone you know just let alone being able to work that creatively into uh the current show but um it's just so beautifully done
1: really yeah absolutely um as we uh, get ready to wrap up there's one other thing i kind of wanted to bring up and have you just kind of uh shed some light on um you had a post on your instagram um Uh, Leah Salonga, I I believe, right? Is that uh, how you pronounce her name? She um, mentioned in an article uh, that you wrote about uh, Asian American uh, women and and basically in Hollywood. And um, I believe it was possibly the the lack of representation or uh, the difficulties of uh, landing jobs.
0: Yes, was this about the Little Mermaid?
1: Uh, you know what? I did not see the article. I only saw the post. I
0: think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had written. So, so there was a national tour of The Little Mermaid that went out before the pandemic, and it was it star in the Ariel, uh, the main character, was uh, an Asian female actress, and um, and I think she experienced a lot of. Uh, Unfortunately, backlash. a lot of backlash mm-hmm. um, because people expected Ariel to not be Asian-American. And uh, I wrote an article about, um, about the need for basically the need for inclusivity and to be able to reimagine a lot of the um, more established theater intellectual properties in a way that, um, that allows more op- for more opportunities for uh, actors of color. And I think and Leia Salonga read the article, and I and she shared it and so uh, that was a wonderful moment for me because I you know look I look up to her very much you know she's a musical theater performer with a lot of I mean she's a Tony award winner right mm-hmm. yeah. um, and she uh, she's so she's uh, a very um, high stature star in musical theater for um, and someone that a lot of Asian American performers look up to, and so I was thrilled that she read my piece and also uh, was able to share it. So, that was thrilling. That was exciting. I wish I could do more writing on uh, topics of inclusion and diversity in the arts, um, but I I feel like it's just as important for me to go out there and actually get involved and, and, um, and do my part as an actor to be seen and to be heard, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. So, so there's a lot I've, I, I mean, I, I could start a, a blog or a podcast or something where I talk exclusively about those issues, which I, I think are really important, but, um, but, um, I do, th- I am mean, hopeful because I think, I think the landscape is starting to change. I think, I, I think Asian Americans are becoming more mm-hmm. visible in um mainstream film and television and you know uh, of course there's still i'm constantly auditioning for like nurse number two or like you Mm -hmm. know there's still it's still a struggle to get to not to not be the character that helps tell someone else's story but you know to be featured and and to be um to have to have our stories told too, is very important. So, um, so I, 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 I love Cobra Kai because it, it, it really starts to tell those stories, you know, of, uh, of, of of Asian Americans and just celebrate Asian culture. And so, um, so I, I I definitely, I'm so lucky that I got to be a part of something that that celebrates Asians. And, you know, I mean, it's still, it's still May, it's yeah, still yeah. Asian American yes, Pacific <laughs> Heritage Month. So, um, so I'm so glad I got to be on your podcast during this very important month for Asian uh, American um, artists and, and celebrating our history and,
1: yeah, and all absolutely. Of that. Absolutely. And, and I mean, thank you for coming on to share your stories. Um, is there something that you might be able to promote or uh, something that maybe we can look out for that you're working on?
0: Um, well, my social media handles are Mickey, M-I-K-I, 410, um, Mickey 410, because I'm 4 feet 10 inches. tall.
1: Yeah. <laughs> my wife is the same height. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, so, um, I, so I'm on Instagram and I'm on uh, Twitter as well. And I always put my, uh, I, I always do announcements uh, there uh, for the things that I'm working on. I'm, I'm recurring on an animated series right now, which I don't think I can talk about quite yet. Okay. But I play multiple characters over multiple episodes of this new series. And I hope it's, I, I think it's going to come out in the fall.
1: Oh, awesome! That's uh, yeah. That, well, that's just a few months away. So yeah. very excited for that. Uh, so yeah, I, I follow you. So definitely, um, give Mickey a follow uh, to get all the updates. And and I I, and I share things like that in in my stories too. Uh, when I see them. Um, cool. you know, just to kind of get things out. And um, because you know, I after speaking with somebody, I try to follow you guys' work. And if I get a chance to watch something, I will definitely do that. You know, just. Because um, you, you just n- never know what you might miss out there. Uh, like the Lion Guard, for example, like, you know, yeah. if not, maybe for this uh, interview, maybe um, somebody doesn't, uh, they wouldn't have checked that out. But I'm a big fan of the Lion King. And when I saw that you did voice a character, I was like, oh, I, I got to watch a few episodes at least, you know, to kind of see what this character is like. And like like I mentioned, kind of like a Miyagi character, you know, so um, right I hope, I hope people go check out those episodes of yours uh so th- th- those are your socials uh for anyone that uh, still has not yet followed us um i'm on twitter at cobra kai uh, pod on instagram at cobra kai companion Companion spelled with a k uh so i want to thank everyone for listening and if you enjoyed this installment of our aapi heritage month uh series uh we have i i believe at least Or others uh, that I um, interviews that I have spoken to uh, AAPIs about about their heritage and culture. So uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Haven't you done enough, princess?